0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And not for evil, to give us a future and to give us a hope. Isn't that good to know? There's so much good in this book, it's it's beyond imagination. And if we just discover it, find it, we can live by it, enjoy it, and have a wonderful life. That doesn't mean we won't be challenged. Indeed, we will be. But I tell you what, we can succeed if we follow His plan. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Father, we thank You for the privilege of studying Your Word tonight. And as we do, we invite Your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide. To give us insight, understanding, and revelation knowledge of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. May the path of our lives become brighter and brighter more and more into the perfect day. May the entrance of your word give us light and understanding that we might walk in your ways. And Father, as we look into the mirror of your word, may each of us be changed from glory to glory until we can boldly say we no longer live. But Christ liveth in us. Hallelujah. For this is our heart's desire. And this is our heart's cry. And Father, we'll give you all the praise. For all that's achieved among us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to attend healing classes on Thursday evening, tomorrow evening. Chris Costa is the teacher of that class. Anointed of God. Gifted of God. In the Word of God. God has given her revelation. He has given her a passion within her heart to share truth concerning the subject of divine healing and health. I, I guarantee you, if you go to the class, you'll learn some things that are vital and very important to your life, your health, and your well-being. You can learn about some things that will help you prolong your life on the earth that you might fulfill the purpose that God has. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the... The epistle of 3rd John. The epistle of 3rd John. John, the third epistle. He has three epistles. The third one, beginning at verse 2, there's only one chapter. So you have no problem finding the chapter. There's only one. It says in verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I know that was John writing, but you can hear the Father's voice as those words are being spoken and inspired by the Spirit, can't you? He's saying to his children... I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And the emphasis is not on prosperity and health, but the emphasis is on the well-being of our soul. Because the well-being of our soul and our prosperity and our health are connected to one another. And we need to understand that if we are going to experience the fullness of God's blessings in this life. Now, we've been talking about what it means to have prosperity or well-being in our soul. As far as our soul is concerned, we need to understand that the soul is comprised of three basic elements. The mind, the will, and the emotions. And so, for us to prosper... In the soul, each of these have got to be affected and infected by the word of God. The soul, meaning the mind part of the soul, is the intellect. And the intellect has to be taught the word of God. We need to know what God said intellectually. And the word of God renews our mind to let us know what God thinks. And then the second part of the soul is the will. And the will of man has got to be established in the will of God. What is the will of God for my life? Well, it's revealed to us in his word. And then the third part of the soul involves the emotions or the emotional part of man, our emotional feelings. And we have discovered that the same word that renews the mind is the same word that Controls or manages our emotional feelings. We are not an emotion. We are a new creature. But very often our emotions dictate to our lives. We've all been governed by our emotions at one time or another. Have you ever become angry and said or did something that you knew you should not have done or said? We've all done that at one time or another. Have you ever had feelings rise up in you that controlled your life? At a specific time. And then maybe you felt bad later. We probably have all gone through something like that. Well our growth and development in the things of God. Involves our controlling and managing our emotional feelings. Because we don't want to live through our emotions. We want Christ to live through our emotions. We want our emotions to be used to bring forth the character of God. Love. Joy. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness. We want all those things to flow out from our lives. And I believe strongly that as we develop our lives in God, those characters of God and characteristics of God will flow out from us and be a vital part of our lives. Well, it's up to us to see to it. That our mind is renewed to the word, that our will is established on the word, and that our emotions are managed or controlled by the word of God. It's up to us to do so. If we just think that we're going to sit back and wait for God to do something about it, it's just not going to happen. Here in these verses, God is speaking strongly. And he says, I want good things for your life. But for that to happen, you've got to see to it that there is well-being in your soul. And then he goes on to say he delights in the fact that his children are walking in truth. Walking in truth means walking in the word and not walking according to the dictates of my emotional feelings and desires. It's walking in what God said, walking in his word, walking in his character, walking in his will for my life. Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would, please, just to bring us up to date here. In chapter... Ten, Second Corinthians chapter ten. You can take this message that I'm sharing with you this evening, and you can apply it to different areas of life. Uh, this is healing week. You can apply it to healing in your physical body. You can also apply it to healing in your emotions. Very often, people encounter difficulty in their emotions because they really don't know what to do with them. They don't know how to control them. They don't know how to manage them, and their emotional feelings manage their lives. And so they're overcome by fear or guilt or worry. They have a low self-esteem and low self-image because their emotional feelings are dictating to their lives and telling them some things that are really untrue about themselves according to the Word of God. When this happens, there develops within the the human psyche or we can say the mind of of the individual a stronghold. It could be an emotional stronghold. Or it could be an intellectual stronghold. And Paul, I believe, is addressing both in these verses. And we want to see what they say because I believe that it's important for us to understand how to overcome the emotional strongholds and the intellectual strongholds that are built up in our lives without many people even realizing it. When it comes to sickness and disease or emotional problems, very often people don't realize that very subtly we have an enemy working against us. Who very subtly understands the process of the human makeup. And so understanding that process, he injects thoughts in the mind of a person. Causing that person to think wrong about himself or believe wrong about himself. And then as he goes on to envision himself incorrectly or sees himself in a bad light. Then all of a sudden he has a stronghold in his mind that's very difficult for a person to break through. To show them that, look, thinking that way about yourself is not right. Look at verse 3 of chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Notice they are mighty through God. The weapons that we have are weapons that come from God. They are through God. And we can use those weapons to do something here called pulling down strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I want you to notice that In these particular verses, there are many things being said about the mind. It's talking about thoughts. It's talking about imaginations. It's talking about high things. It's talking about strongholds. And in one translation, it's talking about arguments. All these things are found within the soul of a man. And let's just add some definitions to these things so that we can bring some clarity to what we're talking about and some understanding. Sometimes just knowing what a word means gives us better understanding. Notice over there, it says pulling down strongholds. A stronghold is a fortified place. A stronghold is like, we could say, a Fort Knox in our minds. It's like a city. That is protected by an army. It is like a castle. With all the men up on top. Looking out to see if there's any enemies coming. Armed and ready to attack at any moment. You see sometimes we have built in our minds these wrong ideas. And they are up there. And we believe them to be true. About ourselves. About our lives. About the will of God. About certain doctrines. And it becomes a stronghold within the mind. And it's not a stronghold for God. But it's a stronghold for the enemy. It's not God who's operating there inside that castle. It is the enemy who's operating up there inside that fortified place. And I'll give you an example. Someone who thinks lowly of himself. Or herself and has low self-esteem or low self-image. Well, that thought began to germinate in that person's mind. And that person began to envision himself or herself this way. It became a stronghold over a period of time. They saw themselves that way. They believed themselves to be that way. And now that's all they talk about is, you know, how unworthy they are. How backward they are, et cetera, et cetera. Someone comes along and says, you shouldn't believe that about yourself. You know, your life is valuable and your life is important. And the moment you start speaking out those words to that person, I mean, they're firing back with 10 different reasons why that's not true. But you don't understand. I've never done well in school. No one really likes me. No one cares about me. My parents don't care about me. My friends, they, they forsake me. And they just go on and on and just spill their guts out because there's a stronghold up there. And the moment you came along to say the truth or to say the right thing, man, those warriors up there, those people that were up there protecting that stronghold of the enemy up there began firing back faster than you can even imagine. And so you made no headway whatsoever to try to break through that stronghold that was already established inside that person's mind to let them know, look, someone does care about you and God does love you because you see that's, that's up there and it's strong. I mean, they're not letting go of that. It's developed. Well, that's what that is. A stronghold is a fortified place, like a strong city that's being protected by the enemy in that person's mind, not letting anybody else get a word in edgewise to let that person know that those things aren't true. Now, notice the next word you have is pull down. Notice pull down. It means to utterly destroy. It means to root out. It means to completely remove. Be like getting rid of a dandelion. You don't cut off the flower. And then tell people, see how green my lawn is? I guarantee you it won't take long before they pop back up. Probably the next morning. Am I right? If you want to get out the yellow flowers, you've got to dig down deep and get to the root system and pull that thing out by the root system. And then you'll get rid of the whole plant. And that's what this is talking about. These strongholds have got to be demolished. You know, that's what we're doing when we teach the word of God. When we share truth from the word of God we attempt to do our best to give out truth so that that truth can go to the root cause of the stronghold and begin slowly but surely to pull it out of that person's way of thinking and let them renew their mind to what the Word of God really says. You see, it's up there right now because they're they're thinking something, they are believing something, They have made a decision in their mind that that's the way they really are. They've envisioned themselves that way. And as a result, it has overtaken their life. And that's how they live their life. So once again, we want to give out truth to get to the root of the problem. Identify that root cause. Give truth. Pull that thing out. Utterly destroy the stronghold that's there. And then begin to rebuild a stronghold for God in that person's life. And we'll go over some steps to show how we can do that. But the next word is argument. An argument, now it's not found here in the King James, but you'll see it in some other translations. But I thought the definition is very important. It's a well-planned out system of thinking. It's a well-planned out system of thinking. Or a belief system. See, someone has an argument, a high thing in their mind. This thing was placed there. It took root there. It grew there. And it was based on a well-planned out system of thinking. This is why I believe this about myself. This is why I think this way. And I mean, they've got all the data, it's all the information, it's all there. This is why I am the way that I am. And I'll tell you what, some people will argue with you for the right to stay unhealthy. Some will argue with you for the right, say, to stay poor. I've tried to tell people that God wants to supply all their needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and they have an argument. They have a well-planned-out system of thinking. They tell me exactly why, that that's not possible in their lives. And they really believe it. Because they've been told it. Because they've been taught it. Because someone has come along and said to them that God doesn't want you to uh, prosper financially. And so you see, they've got this kind of a mindset that says, if I'm humble, I've got to be poor. And someone came along and said it. Or... They're sick because God wants them to be sick. And there's many other things. Or they're the way they are as far as their image is concerned because everybody around them told them how no good they are. Starting with friends or parents. You know, in some cases it's, it's true that parents put thoughts in their kids' minds and don't, don't even realize that the words that they are speaking are producing images in those children's lives about their future. You'll never amount to anything. Why can't you accomplish anything? And so on and so forth. And so uh, over a period of time, these things begin to develop. And they have a well-convinced and well-planned out system of thinking and belief system. And you know what? We've got to get through it. That's why sometimes it's very difficult to help people recover from some sicknesses and diseases. Because you can't get them to see themselves anything but that way. Now the next word is imagination. An imagination is an image that we have of ourselves, the way we view ourselves, the way we see ourselves. It is a mental picture or an image of ourselves. And if we see ourselves in a bad light, if we view ourselves in a bad light, then that's going to be a stronghold the enemy will use over our lives to dominate the very life that we live. That is not producing prosperity of the soul. That's not producing the well-being of our soul. That's producing a stronghold for the enemy to operate from. And to be honest with you, he's got us thinking that we've got to be the way we are. We have to act the way we do. And we have no control over our feelings and emotions. This is who I am and I can't change from being this way. Well, we've got to start pulling those things down we've got to start demolishing and destroying that root system and that stronghold in our lives to change the way we think about ourselves and the way we picture ourselves and the way we see ourselves. Now, every time I uh, look at that word, I'm always mindful of Abraham and how Abraham, when he was told to offer up his son Isaac on the mountain as a sacrifice to show his love for God and his obedience to God, the Bible says that Before he ever made such a decision to do so, what did he do? It says he weighed out what God said against what God told him about his son Isaac beforehand. And he placed these words next to those words. Now, God said here initially that Isaac is going to be used to bring the blessing into the earth. But over here, he says, you're going to have to offer him as a sacrifice and kill him up on the mountain. And so you can imagine how he would vacillate between the two statements and how his mind would go back and forth. Well, he needed an anchor for the soul. He had to do something about building a stronghold in his mind for God so that he could see the end result before he ever stepped out to act upon what God said for him to do. Faith, beloved, Contrary to many is not blind. It is not blind faith. It is stepping out in the light of the knowledge of God's word. And so here's what he did. He placed this beside that and came to a conclusion. And the conclusion was this. Since God can't lie. Then God's got to raise Isaac from the dead. Even if I kill him. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, that he, in the picture of his mind, already received his son Isaac raised up from the dead. He walked through it mentally. He saw a mental picture of himself offering up his son Isaac on the altar of sacrifice, taking a knife and killing him, offering him to God, and in his Mind's eye, he pictured, or he had an image of this, in imagination. He pictured God then raising him up from the dead and presenting him back to Abraham because he knew that's how it had to be. How did he develop that? Well, through meditation, thinking it through clearly, getting to a place where he saw the end result. He saw the picture in his mind. That was an imagination. And so as a result, he stepped out into faith, which was not blind. It was full of light. He saw the end result beforehand. Now, another word we want to bring out is here a high thing. Everybody say high thing. A high thing is an attitude or a mood or a demeanor that we develop as a result of all this information. Thoughts. Images, mindsets, these imaginations. And now we have a mood or an attitude or a demeanor. You remember when Naaman was told how he can get healed by going to dip in the river Jordan seven times and you'll come up clean. Remember that he had an image in his mind as to how that would be done. How many many of you know the story? Naaman, okay. So, in his mind... He pictured the prophet coming out and doing something spectacular for him so he could get his healing. When that didn't unfold the way he pictured it in his mind's eye, and he was told to do something like dip in River Jordan seven times, he became angry. He was upset. He was infuriated. And he turned around and walked away from his healing. And even though God wanted him to be whole, he was walking away from the miracle that God had for his life. He had an attitude about him. One of pride. Be not wise in your own eyes. You see how he was wise in his own eyes? See, he thought his wisdom, he thought the way he saw things was superior to anything else. And when he heard something contrary... All of a sudden, what took over? His emotional feelings. Saints, let's not get on Naaman. We're all the same way. Man, when God tells us something that crosses grain with our emotional feelings, how do we feel? Somebody here wrongs you, and I mean terribly wrongs you. And the Bible says, love your enemies. Right, first thought of the day is to love my enemy. Or forgive those that Despitefully use you. How many of you pray? I'm assuming we all pray here. Well, on your list, how many enemies do you have on your list? Pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you. Is that on that list? Is that a separate list that you have? Or is that list too long? Is that too long of a list? You see, our minds just don't go in that direction. I know God said to do it, but I'm not thinking about praying for somebody who abuses me, hurts me, ridicules me. I'm praying for sister so-and-so because I just love her so much and she's such a sweet thing, right? But so-and-so over here, hmm, bad-mouthing me, saying all these horrible things, criticizing me. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is not to pray for him. Mm -mm. You actually have to control your emotional feelings because if you were praying for him, you'd probably be praying for something bad to happen. (laughs) And you don't want to do that. You'd be out of the will of God for your life. Well, Naaman finally had somebody talk some sense into him. Are you ready for this? His servant was a wise counselor. Did you know that? See, sometimes we want to help people get results. And we overlook these things. They're simplified right there in the Bible. His servant was with him, and he was a wise counselor. He targeted the stronghold. He went right to the pride. He identified the problem. He identified, let's say, the the very uh, root of the problem in his life. He knew he was full of pride and arrogance, and so he had to address that and approach that and deal with it So this man could have a right understanding of what he was doing. Because this man's walking away. Are you ready? From being healed of leprosy. Going back into a life, staying in a lifestyle of leprosy. Living the life of a leper for the rest of his life. All because of his pride. Man, there comes a time we just got to let go. Would you say amen to that? All right. And so he told him, Master, oh Master... Look where you're going. You're going back home. Right? To Samaria. You're going on back. Listen. What has he asked you to do that was so hard? If he asked you to kill a hundred men at battle, would you have done it? Certainly I would have done it. Because see, that's macho. Proud. He said, look. He asked you to do nothing that was so hard or difficult. So what is it that you go and dip in the water You'll be healed. And you'll have a new life again. He thought about it. Man, can you just see that stronghold just melting away? Can you see that foundation block by block just being pulled out one at a time from that man's mind? And finally, it collapses. The root system is pulled out. And he lets go. And says, man, you're right. What was I thinking? What's the matter with me? Thank you so much for bringing me back to my senses. He turns around. He goes back to the River Jordan. He dips in seven times. On the seventh time, lo and behold, no more leprosy. Perfectly cleansed. Completely whole. Isn't that beautiful? And that, he had to thank really his his wise counselor, his servant. Remember, he had to receive the advice from a servant. And that means he had to drop his pride, didn't it? But you see how we are? Too often we let our mindsets prevent us from experiencing the best thing that God has for us. And we should let our moods or our attitudes stand between us and experiencing the best that God has for us. Now, what we think is extremely important to our success. What we think... ...is extremely important to our health. What we think is extremely important to our prosperity in every area of our lives. Be it our marriage, our family, our relationship with our children, in the workplace. What we think is absolutely important to our success. And the enemy knows that. And if he can inject wrong thoughts into our minds... I'll tell you what, that's the process by which he can control our lives. And so we've got to protect ourselves from wrong thinking. What we believe to be the will of God, number two, is extremely important to our lives. Some people believe wrong about what the will of God is for their lives. Some people think that God doesn't want them to be blessed. Some people think that God doesn't want them to be healed. Some people think that God doesn't want them to have financial prosperity. Or to succeed in certain areas of their lives. Some people think that God is even against them in some areas of their lives. But that kind of thinking is destructive to our lives. And constructive to building strongholds for the enemy. From which he can operate over all of our lives. Some people don't realize that what they believe to be the will of God is important. Because if you believe wrong with regard to the will of God... Again, the enemy will hold you captive because of your thinking. And then also, what we do with our emotional feelings is extremely important to every one of our lives. Why? Because they can act as a powerful influence to get us to do what is wrong. And so, those are three areas. And then finally, the fourth one is how we see ourselves. What we imagine in our minds about ourselves. Our imagination. And what it envisions is extremely important to our lives. And that takes me back to the book of Numbers. And we use it all the time, but it's so vitally important. I want to say it again. Joshua and Caleb saw themselves able to take the land of promise. The other ten spies saw themselves or envisioned themselves or imagine themselves as being unable or incapable of taking the same promised land. And the promised land stands for all the blessings of God. And because they saw themselves incapable, they envisioned themselves unable, they were kept out of the promised land. And they didn't experience the best things that God had for them. We've got to remember, that the way we're designed by God is that our emotions respond. They are They respond to what the mind thinks. They respond to what the imagination envisions. And they respond to what the will decides. And so if we're thinking wrong and we see ourselves wrong, we make wrong decisions based on all that, that will in control the way we live our lives, the way we feel. And we'll be in captivity, not with chains that are out here, but chains on the inside. Emotional chains that hold us in bondage, strongholds of the enemy. And unless someone comes along and gives us the explosive word of God so that we can explode or demolish those strongholds, even though God wants to bless and help people, It'll be difficult for them to experience those blessings because of the mindset, because of the stronghold. So make note of it. My thinking's got to be in line with the will of God, with the word of God. The way I think has got to line up. God gave me His word to straighten out my thinking. God gave me His word so I can think the way He thinks. He says, "My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Why do we want to live by lower thoughts? when we can live by higher thoughts? It's a good question. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So let's introduce God's thoughts into our way of thinking and live by a higher way. And then number two, my will has to be established in the will of God. And God gave me his word so that my will could be established in his will. What is his will for my life? Well, God's not willing that anyone should perish, is he? Not one. How do I know that? He said it in His Word. So therefore, I establish my will in line with the will of God. And I say that God doesn't want me to perish. God doesn't want me to be lost forever. God wants me to be whole. I establish my will in line with the will of God. What did He say there in 3 John? I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health even as your soul prospers. Apparently, God is for my prosperity And for my health, right? He wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it. So I've got to line up my will with the will of God. And I've got to start saying God wills my prosperity. God wills my success. God wills my healing and God wills my health. You know, the biggest step anyone can take toward or make toward healing is to know that it's God's will for them to be healed. Or toward anything else is to know what his will is. And then number three God gave me his word so I can control or manage my emotional feelings because they, once again, will lead me down a wrong path. And then number four, he gave me his word so I can produce, I like to say it this way. Words produce thoughts that paint pictures upon the canvas of the heart. Words produce thoughts that paint pictures or images upon the canvas of the heart. And if I say wrong words, I'm going to have wrong thoughts that paint bad images or bad pictures upon the canvas of my heart regarding my life. If I walk around and I keep on saying, well, I'm not worth anything. My life is not that meaningful. I mean, what good am I? Who do I influence in this life? Why does God really care about me? God doesn't really care much about me. I mean, you'll have thoughts bombard your mind like that all the time. You might have people that you associate with say some things to you that are negative or destructive. Hey, it's up to us to decide what we're going to allow to enter into our thought life. Right? But if I keep on thinking those wrong thoughts, I'm going to be painting a picture of myself that is wrong, a bad image of myself. And I won't see myself being successful or able or capable of entering into the promises of God. So I've got to see myself in a better light. And that light is revealed to me in the Word of God. Now, for example, if I have an intellectual stronghold built up in my mind that God doesn't will my success or will my healing or will my prosperity, I'm going to give us these steps I talked about Sunday morning once again because I believe they're so important for us to understand if we are going to pull down these strongholds and open up a new highway for God to move into our lives in a powerful way. Number one, I have got to identify the root cause of that stronghold. I've got to identify why I think that way. Why do I believe that way? You know, what has caused this to take root in my life? That I think I'm so unworthy. Or I think that God doesn't want me well. Or I think that God doesn't want me whole. Or I think that God doesn't want me prosperous. Why is that there? Where did it come from? How did it get built up in that place in my mind? Identify the root cause. Find out why I believe the way I believe. Is it because of circumstances? I find myself in these circumstances. Is it because of a generational curse? Because, you know what? You know, my uh, great-grandmother, you know, she had high blood pressure. My grandmother, she had high blood pressure. My mother, she had high blood pressure. And I guess I have it too. And it's a generational thing that was passed on because of circumstances. And so we must think that, well, this must be a part of our family. Must be the will of God. Is it because of a circumstance that I believe the way I believe? Is it because someone preached from a pulpit somewhere and said it's not the will of God to heal everybody? Is it because someone gave me a, a doctrine in my mind that healing was done away with with the disciples and the apostles and when they all died, then that was the end of it all? Why do I think? What's the root cause for my thinking this way? Identify that. Why do I feel that way? Why do I think that way? Then secondly, find out, number two, what the Word really says, if it's about my self-image, find out what the Word says about who I am in Christ. Who I am in Christ. Or find out what the Word says about whether or not He wants me well or wants me whole. We just read those verses right there. He wishes above all things that we want prosper and be in health. As our souls prosper. So number two is to find out what the Word really says. And when I find out what the word really says about my well-being, about my wholeness, about my health, the number three, and write it down, man, I'll tell you what, and get ready for it. Declare war. Declare war on that stronghold. Because you know what? If you don't do it, it won't be done. I don't want to think this way any longer. You've had me hoodwink long enough. I'm not going to think that way. We're never going to be conformed to the image of Christ will never be changed from glory to glory as long as I keep thinking down about myself. As long as I keep thinking I can't make it. I can't break free from this. If I keep thinking that way about myself, I will never rise up above the way I think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So number three is declare war on that mindset. Declare a war on that stronghold or on that belief system and gather yourself as many scriptures as you possibly can with regard to what your desire is. If it's, like I'm saying, a, a low self-image and low self-esteem. Why is it people often walk around with their heads hung low with low self-image and low self-esteem when the Bible clearly says that if you are in Christ, you are an heir of God, You are a joint heir with Jesus. You are a king. And you are a priest of the Most High God. You are accepted in the Beloved. You're God's very own prized possession. Now think about what I just said. See, if you think about that long enough, you'll start seeing yourself as a king. You'll start seeing yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. But if you keep On looking at what your feelings tell you, what your flesh tells you, what the world tells you, what people tell you about who you are. And especially if you listen to what the enemy tells you about your value and your worth and who you are. You know what? You'll keep your head hung low. You'll hold high carnival over your life. And you'll walk with your head hung down. And you're going to be depressed. Your countenance will fall. You'll have a low self-image all throughout the rest of your life. There comes a time we've got to say, I'm declaring war on my emotional feelings. I'm declaring war on this stronghold that tells me God doesn't want me well because of my circumstances or because of whatever this thing is in my life. As far as I'm concerned, I'm declaring war and I am ready if need be to take that foundation down brick by brick, cement block by cement block, stone by stone, mortar by mortar. It's coming down and I'm going to demolish it. How? Not with weapons I have, we just saw there. Mighty weapons through God to the pulling down or the demolition of, I'll tell you what, how many of you saw the implosion of of Free River Stadium? It came down in a heartbeat. Did it just come down because someone wanted it to come down? No, somebody planted some bombs somewhere. Someone strategically placed certain bombs somewhere throughout that entire place. And then they were detonated. And then when they went off, we saw that thing come tumbling down. It was nothing but a a pile of dust. That's how we want those strongholds to be. We want them to come down and be brought down be no longer dictators over our lives anymore. But we've got to place the truth strategically in a person's thought patterns. Hey, you're not that way. You're the way the Word says. But I don't feel that way. It has nothing to do with how we feel. It has everything to do with walking in truth. And the truth is, you're somebody special. The truth is, you're somebody powerful. The truth is, you are a king and a priest before the living God. And the truth is, by His stripes, you were healed. And you are whole. See, that can't escape us. And so we've got to do it. We've got to declare a war. And I mean to tell you, start building a stronghold for God. Pull that thing down. Number four, we've got to meditate in the Word of God. I'll bring it to a close here quick. Go go to Proverbs chapter 4 real quick. Proverbs chapter 4. We've got to meditate in the Word of God. It's not going to happen just because we want it to happen. It is going to happen because we on purpose place the Word... Before our minds. You'll find yourself vacillating between two opinions. Going back and forth all the time. Until finally the word outweighs the other thoughts. In Proverbs chapter 4 beginning at verse 20. The word will say one thing. Your feelings will say another. And you'll vacillate back and forth. And you'll lean towards one or the other. And you'll keep going back and forth until you build a, a stronghold for God in your mind. In verse 4 it says, or verse 20 it says of chapter 4. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. That's where your vision comes from. That's where your imagination envisions something. Keep them enshrined in your heart. Now, why should I go through this vigorous process? Next verse. For they are life unto those that find them. They are producers of life. They contain life. And secondly, health or medicine to what? All their flesh. His words are health to all our flesh. Now, you see, that statement is true in its setting. We can't just say it's health to all our flesh without saying, incline your ear to my sayings. Keep them before your eyes. Enshrine them in your heart. Give attention to them. They'll become life to you. And health to all of your flesh. So we've got to meditate the Word of God so that we can begin to envision. Hey, the Word says God wants me prosperous, but my checkbook says you're not very prosperous. And you look at the checkbook and you'll get a countenance that says, hmm, can't pay my bills. And you may have a sad countenance. And you keep looking at that. And the more you keep looking at that, the sadder you're going to become, the more defeated you're going to become. now you lean over here and say but the word says that he wants to supply all my need according to his riches and glory by christ jesus and i see what that says you know the bible says you've got to keep looking into that mirror of god's word you've got to keep looking with a steadfast look and look not at what is seen but what is not seen because that what is seen is subject to change but what is not seen is not that's eternal forever And God wants us to stop this vacillating and even when we're at our lowest point, let this be our point of reference. That my God still supplies all my need according unto His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that's where I'm maintaining my focus and building my self-image. I'm going to see that stronghold developed in my life, whether it's for that or for health, like right here. Then number five, you begin to see yourself possessing the promise. See, this is a process. All of a sudden, I see myself now in in my mind's eye. And we're not talking about mind science at all. We're talking about what Abraham did. What Abraham did was he placed truth besides what God told him to do, which would produce lower truth. One was higher truth. The other one we could say is lower truth. And he says, I elect to look at the higher truth and let that higher truth dominate my life. God's got to raise up my child from the dead because of this higher truth. And so, he saw it done in his mind's eye. He saw himself with his son raised from the dead. We've got to see ourselves well. We've got to see ourselves whole. We've got to see ourselves joyful. We've got to see ourselves peaceful. We've got to see ourselves a prosperous. We've got to see ourselves whole healthy and whole. We've got to see these things as we build this in us by meditating the Word of God and looking at things that are not seen. And then number six, we've got to speak out what we desire. I'll tell you, saints, there's no more important truth than this. What you say about yourself, eventually you are going to become. What you speak out of your mouth is what you're going to have. Jesus said so in Mark eleven twenty three. Confession always precedes possession. And whatever it is I want to possess or experience in reality, I have got to say it. And I've got to say it when it's in the natural, not even the closest thing to the truth. I've got to continue saying what God says about me. You know, the Bible actually says that God has spoken certain things that I may boldly say about myself. I've got to say what God said. And the more I say what God says about me, the more I give God something to watch over to perform in my life. When I speak his word over my, my life and say, but God, my father, you said I may feel this way and don't deny your feelings, but your word says you are the glory and the lifter of my hand. Now, father, I submit to you my emotional feelings that are down right now. I don't feel great right now. I may not even know the reasons why, but that's how I feel. But the Bible says you are the glory and the glory And the lifter of my head. And so I'm going to start saying it, Father. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And the more I say it, the more I speak it out of my mouth, the more it will become a reality to me. It affects my heart. It affects my thoughts, my thinking. It affects the image I have of myself. And before long, you'll be shouting it. You'll be praising it. Because it'll change what you're experiencing. And so we've got to speak it out of our mouths. We've got to say it with boldness. And then number seven, so important as well. We've got to learn to praise and worship God in advance. We've got to learn to praise Him and worship Him for the answers, even before we see them. Why? Because the Bible says that God inhabits, say with me, God lives in my praises. See, if I want to bring God on the scene in my life, The number one way to do it, the most powerful way to do it, is through praise in faith. Praise is the highest expression of my faith toward God. Father, I thank you that I am somebody special. I praise you that I am somebody valuable. I praise you that I I am your king. I am your priest. And Father, I thank you that you made me a whole person. I thank you, Father, for giving me meaningful life. I praise you, dear Father God, for my prosperity and for my success in this realm of life. And Father, I just praise you for your hand is upon me. Father, I thank you that I I can communicate with you. I have a good relationship with you. Father, and my praise gives place to His what? His presence. And when His presence is manifested, you know what? I begin to absorb God in His being In my life. And the things I'm praising Him for, the things I'm talking about, become realities. Let me give you one more verse before we close it in Philippians chapter 4. Because the last thing we're going to do is so important for our success. We've got to resist the old thoughts when they begin to resurface in our minds. Because they will come back. You live a certain way for a period of time, I guarantee you, you're not going to change that overnight. They're going to come back to you again and again and try to dominate your life once again. They're going to try to resurface, but I want you to see it this way. that You're going to demolish that particular mindset, that stronghold, but now all of a sudden, it's going to come block by block. The enemy's going to try to come and rebuild that structure in your mind. He's going to say, I once had you believing that way. I'm now going to get you believing that way again. And so he brings back block by block, which is thought by thought. Well, look at what we're instructed to do in Philippians 4, 8. Well, let's start with verse 5, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We were just doing that. Father, I praise you. I rejoice in You, the Lord. I praise You, not because of my circumstance, but in my circumstance, I praise You. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I invite Your activity into my life. Father, You are my healer. You are my deliverer. I praise You for being my financier. I praise You for being my guide and the one who offers me advice, my counselor in this life. You know, when you praise Him for being your counselor, He all of a sudden begins to speak to your thoughts in your heart, by His Spirit, you start becoming what you're praising Him for. And then, notice, rejoice in the Lord, in Him. Not because of what I'm experiencing, but I rejoice in Him. Go up to verse 6. Be careful for nothing, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, faith, is entering into the rest of peace. Oh, it's shalom to my life tranquility, my God, it's a relationship with Him. It's communication with Him. I've encountered Him. I've envisioned Him. I see Him. I'm embracing Him. I'm embracing truth. He's alive in me. We're interacting together. Thank God He heard me. I have the petition I desire to Him. Father, I thank You for meeting my need. I thank You for healing my body. I praise You for direction for my life. I thank You for lifting my countenance. I am praising Him and thanking Him. And now... The moment you stop all that praising and thanking, you're going to get a thought that's going to come against your mind to divert you into this other direction, to start building those blocks back up. But look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall now protect your heart or garrison about your heart and your mind. Listen to this. There once was a stronghold for the enemy and he had all his men up there with all their weapons waiting to put down any positive thought that came to your mind. But now you've got all the angelic forces of God surrounding round about you and peace is ruling over you like a mighty river and dispelling all of the garbage that the enemy tries to bring back your way. See? And then look at the last verse and we'll close it there. Finally... Brethren, whatsoever things are... Everybody say true. He says, I delight when people walk in what? Truth. See, what is true, what is honest, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is good report, if there's any virtue, any praise... Everybody say that next word. Say it out loud. Think. Think. What's He telling us to do? Think on truth. These things. So what's he's saying is this. Write it down. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it lovely? Is it good report? Is there any value to it? Do you see that? Think on these things. And if we will, we'll produce in our minds strongholds for God and we'll prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. It'll open up the door to all the blessings that God has for us. And then Paul talks about how he did it, and he's passing it on to those people that they might do it too. Let's all stand together before the Lord this evening. Someone sung a song once, talked about, I found this new way of living. I found this new life divine. Remember that song? Well, we need to say it this way. I found a new way of thinking. I mean it. I found a new way of thinking. I used to think wrong thoughts. And I used to think that those thoughts were true. But thank God they've been pulled down. And I don't think that way anymore. We can all do the same thing. I don't know if that helped you at all. I pray that it did. I pray you got something out of it tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life, but if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am, and I believe with all my heart